0: Your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Yes, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one blessings, see what God has done. Are you ever with, with a Lord load of care? Does the cross in you are called to bear? Count your many, many blessings, blessings, every doubt will fly. Then you will be singing as the day God has done. Yes, count Count your blessings, name them one by one. one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. One by one, count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Yes, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one many blessings, see what God had done, so amid the conflict, whether the great, or great or small, do not be the discouraged, God See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done.
1: Amen, amen, amen. He's the Lord. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Don't get too comfortable, though. We're going to worship the Lord some more. But we have a special announcement before we release our kids. Uh, So I want to invite Brother Jerry Bowden, if he'll come, one of our deacons. He has a special announcement for us this morning. Uh, Praise the Lord. (laughs) No,
2: I don't have any uh, announcement. I just... uh, wanted to represent the board and uh, say thank you to our pastor for 10 years 10 years he has served us and it's been a good 10 years Uh, you look at this building it's going so fast. I think it's like yesterday, you know, when you <laughs> get 90 years, sort of. <laughs> but uh, time has gone by so fast that you see this beautiful new church that we've built. Worked on the fellowship, or the uh, children's church, there in the office building this uh, summer, and uh, we've paved the roads. So we've got a lot done in the past 10 years, and I do thank our pastor so much for taking care of us. Thank you.
1: Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. We love and appreciate Pastor Joe, Sister Christina, and their family. What a blessing they are to each one of us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, we want to release our children at this time for Pumpkin Fest. We want to allow them a little more time. Uh, Just a reminder, they're going to be in the fellowship hall this morning. So when you go to pick your children up, uh, you'll want to pick them up at the fellowship hall. Praise the Lord. Glory. What beautiful children. Pray the Lord would bless them, their time together this morning. Amen. And while they're celebrating in there, we're going to celebrate in here and continue Count our blessings, amen, to worship the Lord. We serve a good God. Will you stand as we continue to worship? We just want to stay in that attitude of worship this morning, church. Let's let him know how much we love him this morning. He's worthy, Lord.
0: You are good, and your mercy endures forever. People, people from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation. Let us Yeah.
3: we love you we bless you we praise you we love you lord oh lord lord we thank you that we can be your sons and your daughters we thank you that because of your shed blood and your sacrifice on that cross we who are all once far away in darkness have been rescued and redeemed and brought into your marvelous light we thank you lord for what you've done for us we thank you lord How through the years you've kept us. And you've been so very, very good to us. You've held us in the palm of your hand. You've supplied our needs. You've been our shield. You've been our shade. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you. You've been a wonderful Savior. and been a great shepherd. And you've shepherded us through this journey. We thank you for that, Lord. And now, Lord, we pray. Help us to continue to be your salt and to be your light to be your ambassadors in this earth. Use us, Lord, to touch the world in which you died for, to reach those that you have chosen for eternal life. We love you and praise you. And all God's people said, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You've been good. You've been so good. Oh, you've been good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Little by little, my grace will increase in your life. And little by little, I will take away that bitter place that seems like it never wants to leave you alone. But little by little, as you continue to draw near, I will continue to apply my healing salve. Little by little, as you trust in me and look to me, I will work in you, and I will go places others cannot go, and I will do things in your heart, yea, and in your mind that others don't even know trouble you. For I am a healing Savior, I am a great physician, and the Lord your God will go beyond the external, and he will reach into the depths of your heart and your mind. He will cleanse, and he will mend, and he will begin to restore the air of your brokenness. As you look and as you gaze upon the goodness of your God, he will release as healings have in your heart and in your life. And you will wake up and you will recognize that something has happened, something wonderful has begun. And the old hold is not as strong as it used to be. And the old sting is not nearly as raw and rough as it used to be. And there's a new freedom and there's a new wholeness and there's a new peace. As you look to the Lord and put your trust in your God, little by little, he will res- reveal and he will release his healing balm in your heart and in your mind, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Sometimes that healing balm just works as you put it on day by day day by day little by little and all of a sudden that burden that used to be so heavy is really not that heavy anymore and the bitterness that used to be so raw and real you know it's not quite as bitter as it used to be and it's just the work of God as you look to him day by day as he works in your heart each and every day and we thank God for that amen amen well good morning it's so good to see everybody in the Lord. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, and we want to begin a new series preaching from the letters and the messages of Jesus to the seven churches that he identifies in the book of Revelation. and This first one we'll call, Where's the Love? And we'll get to that verse later on as, as we study. But we want to Look at this and study this, and and I think you'll you'll enjoy it as we walk through this together. Revelation chapter 2, and let's begin with verse 1. We'll just read maybe the first three verses, and then we'll begin to um, break down. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars, or the seven pastors, in his right hand, and walks among the seven golden lampstands, or churches. Now, here are the words of Jesus. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance, and I know you can't tolerate wicked people, and that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name, and have not Grown weary. Again, we want to begin to study these seven letters that the Lord Jesus spoke to the churches. And um, the book of Revelation, in this book, the Lord Jesus gives the Apostle John messages to seven different churches in Asia Minor, which is Turkey, present-day Turkey. And they're letters for them, but they're lessons for us. You know, John the Apostle is on the island of Patmos. He's there for preaching the gospel. It's like a penal column. It was a barren, rocky, small island off the coast of Turkey, and he's there for preaching, and the Romans would would do that to banish him, and he was banished for preaching the gospel. And the book of Revelation begins, and John says, it was on the Lord's day that he was in the spirit. He's an old man by now. This is maybe 60 years after Jesus died and rose again, and John's an old man, and he's in the Lord's day. He's in the spirit, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears to him. The resurrected, risen Christ, the glorified Jesus appears to him. And you remember John used to be so close to Jesus, and he'd put his head on his shoulder. Now, all these years later, now the glorified Christ appears, and wow, John just falls like a dead man at the feet of Jesus. It was so awe-inspiring and so magnificent and glorious. Well, from there, Jesus gives him messages for seven different churches in that area. And there are messages for those specific churches, but also there are messages for us today. The letters that John's going to write as Jesus speaks to him had a, a present purpose then and there. But they also have an eternal message for every church and every believer. And let's face it, only the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, can accurately evaluate and inspect each church and know its true condition. So he's speaking to the churches, but actually he's speaking to individuals. Because the Bible says, we'll see in verse 7, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. So though he's speaking to the group, he also speaks to the individual. But let's face it, churches are made up of individuals. And it's individuals that determine the life and the health of the local body. So these letters are literal messages written to churches long ago, but they apply to every church of every age and every believer of every age. The risen Christ is speaking to his church. Now, the first church is the church at Ephesus, the Ephesians. Now, Ephesus was um, a marvelous city in the natural. Commercially, it was very prosperous. It was the center of the trade routes and a commercial center. So it was a very materialistic and a very prosperous and wealthy city. But religiously, It was a terribly immoral city. It was the place where the Temple Diana was, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And literally thousands of um, the priests and the the priestess and their their worship was, was very immoral. We'll put it at that. It was a vile form of worship. So religiously, the city was a dark, spiritually speaking. But now, as far as the church is concerned, it had a wonderful history. Remember, the Apostle Paul founded this church. And later on, Timothy, his son in the faith, was a long-time pastor of this church. And even later in life, the old Apostle John spent many years there pastoring and teaching the flock of God. So what we have in these letters is kind of a pattern. Each one of them kind of has this pattern. When Jesus first, he, he gives his approval or his commendation, what he commends, what he sees in the church, what he applauds that they're doing right, what he wants all of us to continue to do for his glory. And then he'll bring a concern, a complaint. Then he'll identify something in the church that he wants to draw their attention to. Something that he sees that they don't deal with this will bring them trouble down the road, and so he identifies that. But then the Lord is so good, he doesn't just give us what the problem is, he gives us a remedy for the problem. And so he won't just um, have a complaint He'll also show them how to correct it and how to get back to where they need to be. And that's kind of our our thought. Number one, here is the commendation of the approval. You see verses 2 and 3. This is the kind of church the Lord Jesus wants us to be. This is the kind of followers he wants. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know you can't tolerate or endure wicked men, but you've tested those who claim to be preachers and apostles but are not and you found them false and above all that you've persevered and have endured hardship from my name and you haven't given up and you haven't grown weary number one we start out it was a dynamic or a dedicated church verse two talks about it was a hard working church jesus says i recognize and i know your deeds and i know your hard work in the Greek, that speaks of working to a point of exhaustion. These were people really sold out for Jesus. These were people that were really involved in doing the will of the Lord and touching lives for Jesus. These were a congregation that was committed to serve Christ and committed to minister to the people of Christ. The the word, again, it speaks of an all-out effort. They were a people busy serving the Lord and doing His works and touching the world in in which He died. And again, we note the Ephesians are applauded here. But Jesus says they were diligent workers for His cause. And the Lord applauds them for that. They were a people that, again, they they didn't have what we could call a spectator mentality. They didn't have just a a come to church, entertain me. But instead, there was an energetic, energetic involvement in the lives of these saints. They participated, they contributed to the cause of Christ, helping his people, reaching the lost, doing the works that God has called his people to do and fight quite frankly, that's the number one message for us. That's the first message for us. The first thing he applauds is their hard work, and that's what he looks for in all of his people. That's what he looks for in all of his congregations. He calls you and I to get involved and to serve the Lord and to find our place and to serve God faithfully with the gifts and the talents and the opportunities that he gives us. He calls us to, with excellence and enthusiasm and faithfulness, let's get about and be busy for our Lord and for our Savior. And let's face it, the Lord is still calling um, laborers to work in the harvest fields. How many remember in the Gospels, Jesus said, The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He says, pray for laborers and, and be a laborer, get involved. And the, the, the job is not yet done. There are still souls to be reached. There are still lives to be lifted up. There are still people that need the help. There are still places that haven't heard. So let us be about our father's business. And let us be like this church at Ephesus. we all have a part to play. Every one of us that knows the Lord has been given gifts and talents and abilities to serve. Him. And the Bible says to those that already doing so, well, the Lord is well pleased with you. He sees you. He recognizes that. And he says, keep it up. And we say, keep it up. And we say thank you to all those that are faithfully serving the Lord because there are so many right here at Pleasant Grove. And we thank God for you. We thank God the board members and all the, the ministers and the assistant pastors and, and the Sunday school teachers and the children's church and the grounds and the office, all that are faithfully serving the Lord. He sees that, he applauds that, and so do we. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. This is the first thing Jesus applauds. Hard work. Hard work. He likes hard work. Isn't that good? That would be out of step in some, well, in some places, but he likes hard work. Jesus applauds the church for their all-out effort in serving and sacrificing for his cause, for his people, and for his commission. They were a dynamic and dedicated church. They put their hands to the plow, and they were busy for the Lord. They they lived in a modern city for the time. It, It was an exciting city. It was a prosperous city. So there was a lot of distractions and a lot of temptations that could have kept them away from the eternal things. But you know what? They chose to live for eternity. They chose. They put their hands to the plow and were busy. For the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. And I I read a story a while back and it it made me laugh. So so it's supposed to be funny. So don't get too serious on me now. But anyway, uh, a man was taking a vacation to Rome, Rome, Italy, not Rome, New York for you upstaters. But anyway, he was taking a vacation in Rome and he was a great art lover. Loved art. And I don't know if you know, but one of the greatest art collections in the world is in the Vatican, in the Vatican. So he he went. I don't know if he's Catholic or not, but he loved art, so he went to the Vatican. And while he was touring the Vatican, he was so impressed by um, the priceless collection of paintings and sculptures, the mosaics, the, the, um, the, the, uh, what do you call them, the the, the windows, how how beautiful they were and so forth. And, And he was also really impressed by how many people were running everything. As he put it, it was quite an operation, all the people running the place. Well, anyhow, there were guards and there was groundkeepers and there were curators and there were clergymen all over and secretaries and all, everything going on. And well, as it turned out, he ran into Mr. the Pope. Mr. Pope, I don't know which one it was. Mr. Pope, said, hey, Mr. Pope, I got to tell you, this is pretty impressive here. And I says, you know what? I'm really impressed by all the people. I didn't realize it was so busy. I didn't realize that there was so much going on here. He says, how many people actually work here? Pope looked at them, actually work here, son? He says, about half of them actually work here. Amen. Um, the other half is getting a paycheck and just sitting around looking at one another. But the. I missed that one. But, but he said, about half of them. Well, the church at Ephesus, you know what? It wasn't just half of them that worked. Jesus said, you know what, as a congregation, you're all involved and you're all devoted and you're all working hard for the glory in the kingdom of God. And you know, that's how it is here. We've got so many good workers here and keep it up. And those that aren't, find your place, get involved and let God use you for his glory. But number one, Jesus says, I applaud hard work. Not just those that come out and do, but those that are involved and contributing to the cause. Number one. Number two, he speaks of their perseverance. And you look at verses two and you look at verses three. uh, He says here. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. Then verse three he talks about you've persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. He applauds them for their faithful, working, and serving. But then he applauds them that they persevered and refused to give up, even though it was not an easy time to serve the Lord. And the circumstances that they were in were not always compatible and easy to really live for Christ and to stand out from the pack. Now, Jesus mentions perseverance twice in just these few short verses. And one time it's speaking of their service, and the other time it regards... To their sufferings they had endured under trial. This is something that the Lord Jesus He sees and He applauds. This is something God really um, appreciates in the lives of His people when they're willing to endure and to overcome and refuse to turn back, but they continue on in their testimony, they continue on in their service, regardless of what comes against them. They refuse to quit, but they've made up their mind, and they serve the Lord Jesus through thick and thin. And that's what God's looking for in our lives. Look at Hebrews 10 and 36. Hebrews 10 and 36. You know, the people in Hebrews, they were getting tempted to return back to the old ways. They were getting tired. Um, the pressure was on and they were being persecuted and they were getting a little weary. But, but here the word of God says to them, you need, you need your answer It is not to compromise. Your answer It is not just to blend in or turn away and give up or give in to despair. Your need is to persevere and continue on so that after you've done the will of God. You can receive the promise of God. You see, it's Jesus is here. He's saying, don't lose your reward by not finishing. Be determined. If you love the Lord, you're going to finish strong in the Lord. It might not always be easy. There'll be times there's pressure. There's times that it's costly to serve the Lord. And people don't understand. And people give you troubles. But don't allow anything to deter you from finishing your race in the lord jesus is applauding those that will not quit they won't turn back and you know for some especially in the church at ephesus you know it wasn't always easy for some of them some of their families rejected them when they came to christ some of their jobs would fire them when they came to christ but jesus says you know what i've noticed you persevered for my name you've endured hardship for my name You didn't just serve me when things were good and it seemed like all these blessings were coming into your lap. Regardless of what you faced, you were undeterred. And you continued on loving me and living for me and telling others about me. There's This word perseverance, this word persevere, it speaks of enduring and an endurance that refuses to give up in the face of fierce opposition. It's used in the context, not when just things are uncomfortable, but even when things are very hard. And it would seem so much easier to compromise or go back or give up or just kind of drift away. Even in such circumstances. These were a people that continued on, pressed on. And the Lord Jesus who watches, the Lord Jesus who observes it all, he says, I'm so pleased with that. My heart is moved and warned by that. And, you know, it's more, this word speaks of more than just a grin and bear it. It's actually an attitude that one that faces certain obstacles. And faces certain trials, but does it with an attitude of the victor and the overcomer. That, that doesn't just kind of, oh, okay, que sera, sera, But they're able to go through things and keep their joy in the Lord. And keep their peace that passes understanding. They're able to take arrows from the enemy, but not let those things make them grumpy and bitter. They don't lose their song. They don't lose their joy. And they just continue on. I think it was William Barclay that writes about this particular word. He says, it's not a grim patience that just kind of resigns and accepts things. But it's a courageous gallantry. It's a courageous attitude as you endure and press on and overcome. That in spite of loss, in spite of hardship, in spite of circumstances, this is a type of person that stays faithful, that keeps disciplined and determined, and with a triumphant attitude continues on in the Lord and keeps going forward, not turning back in their love and in their devotion to Christ. Oh, God, help us to be like that. And look what it says here in these Ephesians. It's really neat. They faced many difficulties in the hardship and the pressure. Things were unfair. Things were unkind. Yet, verse 3, it says it so beautifully. You've persevered and endured hardship for my name for my name, and you haven't grown weary. So beautifully, for his name, they endured and they had not grown weary. For the name of the person of Jesus Christ, they refused to give up and they refused to go back. It cost them some friends and it cost them some um, privileges. But for the name that's above every name, For the name that is wonderful and lovely, for the name of the person of Jesus, you and I make up our minds. We will endure and we will not quit and we will not go back or give up. Even if the culture gets more wicked and even if our circumstances get heavier and harder, we will endure for the name of Jesus Christ, for the name that's above every name. For the name of the one that saved us and died for us and shed his wonderful precious blood for us. For the name of the one that so loved us when we were lost and unworthy. For the name of the one that rescued us and kept us and has held us and has brought us a mighty, mighty long way. For him and him alone, we will live righteously. We will live biblically. And we will live for him unapologetically. Can you say amen? Oh, for His name. You see, friend, because Christianity is Christ, it's not about um, temples and statues and rituals. It's about Jesus Christ and loving Him and knowing Him and serving Him personally. It's not about being religious. It's about having a real relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Christianity is Jesus. It's knowing Jesus and loving Jesus and serving Jesus. Oh, what a word for my name, for that name. We continue on for that name. Will allow them to call us what they want and say what they think. For that name we'll keep loving, for that name we'll keep walking, for that name we'll keep serving, for that name we'll keep standing, for that which is right, and that which is pure, and that which is holy, and that which is awesome. For that name we will walk the narrow way, for that name we will live for the eternal prize. For that name we have surrendered our lives and given our allegiance. Oh church, never, never shrink back from loving him and adoring him and boasting in him. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, wonderful Jesus. There's something about that name. Jesus, for that name, for his name. We don't do it for the applause of men. We don't do it merely so people can think, oh, what a swell God. We do it because we love the Lord Jesus. We've met him and this thing is real. I don't understand why you sing. I don't understand why. You don't understand it because you don't know Him. But when you know Him, and you don't ask such a question, when you know Him, you'll weep sometimes, you'll dance and shout other times. When you know Him, and the songs you sing are not just words on an overhead, but it's a reality flowing from one's heart. Oh, when you know Him. For that name, the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Jesus. Not about being religious, it's not about I go there because it's good for business and they'll think I'm a more no, no no, so much beyond that. It's about him, it's about him. Have you met Jesus? Do you know Jesus? He loves you, he died for you, He rose again and one day you'll stand before him. Do you know him? He's good, he's wonderful, he's loving, he's kind. You'll never really know yourself until you know him. Oh, Jesus. Jesus goes to the first church, the church at Ephesus, and he starts out by applauding these three things. He applauds their hard work. He wants us to be involved doing his works. Amen? He wants everyone to be involved. Find your place and serve the Lord. He applauds this in the book. He applauds that. He goes, your hard work. Amen? Amen? We give as much work to the things of God as to other things. All right, hard work. He says, but secondly, I applaud you, and I'm so pleased that you endure hardship for my name. He knew he knows what you're going through. He knows that for some, it's not as easy as for others to walk with him. He knows that. He knows some are in a very supportive environment. He knows some aren't. He says, keep pressing on. It will be worth it all one day. It'll be worth it all. You keep pressing You keep pressing. And don't ever think you're alone. I'm with you. Don't ever think no one knows I'm watching you and I'm pleased with you. Just keep pressing on. Keep staying sweet. Keep trusting my word. Keep believing that I'm your shepherd and I will walk with you through that. He speaks. He loves their endurance. And then thirdly, he applauds them. And this is important this present hour. He applauds them because they were discerning people. They they, they were disciplined and discerning that they didn't tolerate everything that was supposedly of God, but they did test everything to make sure it lined up with the word of God. He appeals that, um, you know, we see this in verses 2 and then verse 6. Verse 2, in the middle of verse 2. I know you cannot tolerate or endure wicked people. And that you have tested those that claim to be apostles, even if they're on Christian TV. They have claimed to be apostles, but are not and have found them false. Don't be gullible, be biblical. Amen. And then he's see in verse 6, he says, But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices, not the people, but the practices. The practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, is most that mostly there's not a lot known about the Nicolaitans. But the common thought is that they they took proper Bible doctrine of love and grace and they twisted it. They perverted it to mean that because God is a loving God, you can just live any way you want and everything's OK. Well, Jesus didn't die for us just to live any old way. Amen. And so again, we're not going to go too far into that, but that's kind of the thought here. But listen, uh, discernment is very important to live. Let me see if I can do better with this story. This is a true story. I thought it was funny. During World War II, um, in France, there was a cook stationed in France. This is when the tide had turned and we were starting to win, and there was a lot of refugees going, and the enemy was being defeated. But he was serving the soldiers their noon meal. And he noticed one character in line dressed in the GI clothing, dressed in the army clothing, but he was acting suspicious. Often then, enemy soldiers so they would take, take the clothing off the dead soldier and sneak in and, and so forth. And um, Well, he immediately deduced that the man must be an infiltrator, that he was an enemy soldier. So the cook reached under the serving table for his pistol. And pulled it out, pointed it at the the spy, and he yelled for the MPs. Now, after everything was over, the cook's CO, his commanding officer, asked him, how did you know this man was an enemy? And the cook said this. He says, I knew he had to be. Sir, something just wasn't right, but he came back for seconds. It's true. It's true. He came back. He knew no one liked his slop, amen? He came back for seconds. And I said, you know, he was dressed right, but he wasn't acting right. Amen. But discernment is important. I just Discernment is important and is greatly needed in the church today. Amen. Amen. Because when we study the Bible, the apostles would warn of maybe false gospels and another Jesus and the twisting and the misapplying of scripture that, that winds up being, being a deception. And so he wants, Jesus is here applauding them. Because they didn't have a tolerance for just evil running amok in their midst or for false doctrines that were not proper and biblical. They um, condemned those that professed his name but conducted themselves like unbelievers. Because both doctrine and lifestyle, both our behavior and our belief matters to God. And so Jesus was pleased that they wouldn't tolerate this, that they tested it. It's important that they're discerning and they and they test everything by the word of God and they test it and that they don't allow those practices that would have made things easier in some ways and more acceptable in a harsh culture, but they stood firm for what they knew was right. And you and I have to understand our, our point on this here is we understand that Jesus expects his followers to separate themselves from false teaching and false teachers. Amen. False teaching, false teachers, false behaviors. Here, give me one scripture here. First John 4 and 1, First John 4 and 1. And again, this is what the Lord looks at His church and looks at His individuals. And He says, I applaud you because you weren't just gullible or you just didn't accept everything because you weren't willing to stand firm against the wrong, but you examined it and you dealt with it properly. And that's important to be His church. First John 4 and verse 1. First John 4. In verse 1, where John says, test the spirits, test the spirits to see if they be of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Don't believe everything you hear. Examine it by the word of God. I mean, you don't have to be a cynic. Just be an examiner. Amen. And if it's biblical, well, then praise the Lord. Amen. But if it's not, hold it. So, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Test the teachings. Test the the, the theologies. Test the things you hear coming over your TV. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many, that early, all those years ago, how much more today, amen, because many false teachers, false propagators, have gone out into the world. Well, well, how do we test it? Two primary ways. The word and the witness. The written word and the witness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We have the written word. Test it. Why? Does it line up with the Bible? Amen? Does it line up with proper teaching of the Bible? If not, listen, I don't care if they're pulling a rabbit out of their hat. And people are falling down. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's false. Amen? There's the And there's also the witness of the Holy Spirit. When your Holy Spirit gives you a check, when your Holy Spirit within you says something wrong here. So the two make the, the, the word and the witness. And then also, if I was to throw a third one in there, the witness of that person's life. I mean, they could be, you know, pulling a rabbit out of their hat. But, but, you know, they're living like the devil. and hold it. Amen? So again, Jesus is applauding the church because they were not gullible. But they were responsible enough that when they heard something, they went to the word of God to see if it was accurate. They checked their own spirits within to see if this sense is right. And he was pleased when they dealt with things that were clearly wrong. Belief and behavior must be evaluated by the word of God and dealt with properly and biblically. So here the Lord Jesus, he approves. Again, this is something, I want to please the Lord. Well, one way that we all please the Lord as a body, as individuals, he's pleased and approves of how they respond to the temptation A biblical compromise and moral laxity. And so should we. We live in a world. It would be so easy just to compromise. Amen. On the job or sometimes at home. It would be so easy. Just to give in to what the culture says is okay now. To what the culture says. As if they're going to dictate morality. God's given us a book. And he's given us a spirit. It would have been easier for the people in Ephesus, just to compromise a little bit. Maybe their families wouldn't have kicked them out. Maybe they wouldn't have lost their jobs. Maybe they wouldn't have got thrown into prison when the persecution really, it would have been so much less opposition from society if they just would have blended in and did everything that everyone else was doing. The cost in their families and in their finances, on their jobs and their positions. And even their peace. And their physical danger. But the Lord Jesus applauded this church. He says you're a good church. I'm pleased with you. The king of kings walks. Among and observes. His people. And he applauded their hard work. Their perseverance. Their ability to stand strong in purity. And their belief and behavior. Yet despite. All that, he says, there's one flaw that I've got to address. You know, it's like you go to your yearly appointment to that doctor. And that doctor looks down at that blood work. Mm, cholesterol, good, look good. Blood pressure, oh, got it under control. Good for you. Good for you. He's, oh, that sugar, that sugar's good. He kind of patches Oh, it seems like you lost a couple. I look on the scale here. You don't want to tell him you took your big keys out of the pocket before you got on the scale. Amen. You don't want to. Um, he then also he says, but.
0: <laughs> hey,
3: you know when when the Lord Jesus says but or yet, we say uh oh. The doctor says is all a good except. Oof, got my attention. They don't do good. If they can, all that stuff can be good. But if there's a, what did Jesus say? Let's look at verses four and five and let's just explain this and apply this the best we can. Jesus says in verse four, yet, you've got so many good things going for you and I'm so pleased with you in so many areas yet. I hold this against you. And it's like the Lord Jesus, I, I've got to address it and tell you about it. Because if I don't and you don't deal with it, Sooner or later, you'll lose your place in God. So I'll remove your lampstand. There are certain things that if you neglect it forever, sooner or later, it'll cost you everything. And this is one of those things. You had to hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Wow. He says, remember or consider how far you've fallen. Repent. Do the things you did at first. And if you don't, I'll come and remove the lampstand. From its place. If you lose your genuine love for the Lord, sooner or later you're going to lose everything. So, so let's look at this just here. This first love, this, 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 this first love is um, our devotion to Jesus that is so often characterized in the new believer. It's fervent, it's personal, it's enthusiastic, it's fresh, it's unashamed. The prophet Jeremiah called it that honeymoon love where you're hungry to learn. You're excited about church. You're bold in telling others about Jesus and all that he means. Now, the Ephesians were a serving church, a sacrificing church, a separated church, a suffering for his name church. But they somehow along the way got a bit mechanical, got a bit rigid, and they lost or left that fresh excitement for Jesus. And in doing so, their Christianity, um, though it was busy and productive in a lot of ways, it lost its wonder. It lost its joy, it lost its excitement, it became mechanical and routine. MacArthur writes it, it was a cold, mechanical orthodoxy. It might have been accurate, but they lost that freshness in the heart, that zeal and love and passion of the heart. Now they still had a love for Christ. But the quality and the intensity was unlike the initial love when they first met him and he was everything. They had fallen, as one writer put it, fallen from the early heights of their devotion and descended to the plains of mediocrity. And again, remember, friend, it's a personal relationship with the living Savior. And we want to keep that fresh. And we want to keep that full. And we want to keep that on fire. Warren Wearsby writes, while it's true that mature married love deepens and grows richer, it's also true that it should never lose the excitement and wonder of those honeymoon days. You begin to take each other for granted and life becomes routine. So let's think about this. It's possible, we're learning here, to serve, sacrifice, and even suffer for his name's sake and yet leave or forsake that personal and special love for Jesus Christ. Mm. Mm. Now, younger Christians, this is something you need to take note of. And know you're new in the Lord and you're, you're learning the Bible, and you're studying, and you're learning proper doctrine, and that's good. And you're, of course, you're, you're overcoming things, and you're getting victories in your life. That's great. And you're learning to participate. You're serving, and you're beginning to be part of the family. That's wonderful. But never, never, never forget. The most important thing is keeping your personal love and walk with the Lord real and fresh and sincere. Can you say amen? Because what will happen down the road is this, your mind will always have the doctrine in it. You're being taught, you're learning the word. 20 years later, you'll still have proper doctrine. 20 years later, you can still go back and pinpoint a time. I did this in the church, I did that in the church. But your heart can become cold and distant from the Lord. So, So new Christian, most important thing, Jesus calls it abiding in the vine. He says, you continually stick with me and walk with me and stay close to me and pray, Lord, help me to keep my love for your word. Help me to keep my love for your house. You practice your devotions. You continue to stay filled in the spirit, but make sure your love for Christ stays as this. But now older saints. You know, many of you are like me. We've had a wonderful heritage, many of us. Many of us here this morning, year 3rd, 4th, some are 5th generation Pentecostals. I'm 4th generation. My boy, 5th generation Pentecostals. I mean, we grew up, amen, we grew up with sound biblical teaching, did we not? We grew up with proper biblical, living, good, godly role models. Isn't that right? Many well, of us grew up in good churches, wonderful churches. We were blessed. We were taught from infancy. Learning the scripture from childhood. We were shown how to live this life in a fallen world. Man, we had an example. We grew up in it. We were blessed. Were we not blessed? I know i got a few of you with me. We learned the lifestyle of separation and service. We learned from the beginning. Isn't that right? You're faithful to church. Get involved in church. We learned separation. I'm telling you, brother. We learned separ- That old school taught you separation. Back to those old Italians I grew up with, in it right? Right after John 3 16, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's the second verse you learn. Isn't that right? The holiness unto the Lord, right? That, that, that was how it was. And that was their motto back in those days. Separation, brother. They, 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 were, they were extreme, but my God, we were separated, I'll tell you that. And though us that he grew up literally from my mother's womb and grew up learning from the beginning proper doctrine and faithful service to God's house and proper separation, lifestyle. I'll tell you what I found out. And if you're here today, you probably found this out along the road. I learned that all those things that older generation gave me, and I thank God for them. We should thank God for the older generations that taught us and prayed for us, amen, and that were good role models for us brought us in churches where the word of God. I mean, we just, we, we were fed the word. Amen. I mean, we were raised to pray, man. Oh, that, they prayed you, man. But I found out as I got older, and I'm sure many of you have, that it was up to me to monitor, to measure, and to maintain my personal love and walk in devotion with Jesus Christ. I learned that. They could teach me proper Bible, they could show me how it's supposed to be done. They could explain to me how a Christian, they role model how a Christian lives. We grew up with good men and women. They showed us how to live in this world and be a child of God. Amen? We had examples. We knew how. But you know, the one thing they couldn't do, they couldn't even pray it in, and them old saints prayed. Brother, they prayed. You couldn't watch TV back then. You did a lot of praying. Amen? They prayed. The one thing they couldn't do for me, they couldn't even pray it in me. It was up to me. It's up to you. It's up to you, it's up to you, it's up to you, it's up to you if you're going to keep that personal devotion with Jesus real and fresh and vibrant. Because if not, you can wake up one day and you still got all the knowledge. You could teach the class up here and you could give us a resume of what you did one time and what you achieved and what group you were in. But if you don't watch out and monitor it constantly, the heart can kind of get cold to the things of God. You can have it here, but kind of lose it down here. And this is what Jesus is pointing out. But he's saying, if you lose your personal love for me, sooner or later you'll lose everything. Amen? Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. You see, this is what he's and here's here's the fact. Here's the fact. Every one of us, has to take his or her spiritual temperature from time to time. Isn't that right? Every one of us has to learn to let a man examine himself. We take our spiritual temperature from time to time. And if we find out that maybe I'm beginning to lose my passion that I once had, I'm beginning to lose my love for the word that I once had, that praise and worship are no longer exciting me and stirring me up like they once did, then it's time to make some adjustments and get things back to where they used to be. You know, Tony Evans, he says to his church, he warns his church of being involved in religious activity while being void of spiritual intimacy. And I want to make sure in my life Being a pastor doesn't give you a free card on anything. It's actually even easier just to get mechanical and professional. And you can learn a lot of things, and you can preach a lot of things. But that heart is something that each one of us has to monitor for ourselves. And I've got to make sure, and you've got to make sure, that we haven't somehow ever lost the excitement or the freshness and the enthusiasm of our relationship with Jesus. Because remember, it's more... Then what I do for the church or believing properly, it's a personal love and walk with the king of kings. That's the most important thing. All those other things are important, but that's the most. That's the most important thing. One thing I love about Jesus. Bring this to a close. I love about the Lord. He doesn't just give us the problem. He gives us a remedy for the problem. Isn't That good? I'll never forget when the first time I worked with, um, with Brother Schambach, the man that I was in my 20s and the man that was training me, he said, now listen, I'm going to warn you. You're going to be on the road and the highs are highs and the lows are lows. You're going to go from seeing crowds of thousands and blind eyes are going to open and wonderful things are going to happen. You're going to see many souls saved. Then you're going to pack up, get out at one in the morning, hit the road the next day and deal with this, that, and the other thing. Highs are highs, lows are lows. So it goes, make sure you don't get so busy with the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work he says you make sure even when you're on that road you do your devotions you spend time with Jesus wow that's something but but here Jesus Jesus brings it down to us here he tells them if you're feeling in your heart that somehow you're not as excited and on fire and in love with Jesus as you used to be, he says. Number one, remember. This says consider, but remember. Most of you remember, and that word means continue to remember. Remember when you were excited. Remember when praising Him was just the most sweet thing. Remember when you couldn't wait for an opportunity to tell someone about the Lord. Amen. Remember. Remember when the Word of God you just couldn't wait to open it up and learn something fresh from the Lord. Remember. Remember. And then he said, repent. Now listen. New Christians, don't get afraid of that word repent. I know this world paints all these words. See, it's part of the enemy. Trying, you know, repent just means change direction. is right? The word repent means change. It starts with a change in the mind, but then from the mind, it's a change in the life. Let me give you an example. Many of you here today, you didn't always attend church, but one day in your mind, you said, you know what, I think I need to start going to church and be faithful. In the mind, you changed your attitude towards church. you made a decision. Then from the mind, it didn't stay there, did it. Then you turned with your action, and you started being faithful, and you were rearranged schedules and you that's repentance. So Jesus, remember and repent. Turn back and do the things you used to do when it was exciting. And it was fresh, and you knew you were sensitive to Jesus' heartbeat. You were close, and you loved talking to him, even when you were going up and down Walmart. You couldn't stop. You just talking to the Lord, amen, in the car, and you could break down in tears or shouting. People think you're crazy pulling up next to you, amen. But all it was, you and Jesus doing your own thing, amen. But it was real, and it was fresh, and it was sincere. And so he says, you know what? If you search your heart and you find out, maybe things have gotten a little... The fire's dimming a bit. Remember how it used to be? Remember when things were exciting and fresh? Well, well, change. Repent. Make up your mind. I want to get back to where I was bold with the Lord and close with the Lord. Amen. Fresh with the Lord. And make that change. And begin to do those things. Don't wait for the feeling to start. Many started coming to church, and you weren't even crazy about coming to church, but you knew you had to come to church. No, no, more, more backsliders. You know what I mean. I knew I got to get back. Weren't crazy about it. But you, you did it without feeling it. But then the more you came, the more you felt. The more you turned, the more the heart began to change. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. This is Jesus. He's talking. This, this is Jesus. Some 60, 70 years after he resurrected. This is Jesus glorified. Speaking to his churches. And he said, Listen. And as we... Finish every message, it's only only responsible, it's only proper that we look at what the Lord said. And the things that were the positive things, we say, Lord, help us to continue to do them if we're doing them or start doing them, amen. Let us take note of what Jesus really exalts. I want to know what Jesus really cares about, amen. I mean, sometimes I've seen in churches they make a big deal over something I don't see a lot in the Bible. But man, if the Bible makes a big deal about it, then guess what? I'll make a big deal about it, Amen. So I want—I want, I want to work hard for the Lord. I want to be involved. Amen. I want to be involved. I want to endure. I know some lives are easier than others, but no matter where your life is, make up your mind. I'm going to persevere. It'll be worth it all one day. I'm not turning back from loving and serving Christ, and, and I'm going to be—I'm going to try to be faithful and discerning. amen. I'm going to be a person of the Bible. And I want to measure things by the word of God, not by what a church doctrine is, not by, but I'm going to be a Bible person. All right. But also here, well, we're going to take the negative thing. We just have to search our heart to make sure. Now, you might be doing wonderful, man. You and Jesus might be closer than you've ever been. Then praise the Lord. Amen. But if for some reason you're here and you know what, you're honest, you know what? Yeah, Lord, if I was honest, I guess I'm not as close as I used to be. Not as on fire as I once was. Well, let's just take the time to make that turn. Let's start to make that turn. Amen? Let's start to rearrange things. Let's do what we need to do to get it back. Amen? Because that's the good news that it gives us. We can get it back. Amen? A church can get it back. and An individual can get it back. Sometimes families can get it back. Amen. So we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray the blessing. And if you're here today and you want to come and pray or you need prayer, come on down. We're going to pray and believe God. But if you're here today and maybe... The Lord speaking to your heart, saying, remember when, remember when, remember when you used to weep, when they'd sing amazing grace, but you knew how real it was to you. Remember how you used to be bold for me, and now you sit around and you just let them talk about me at work, and you, you don't even walk away anymore. He's speaking to All of us have to search our hearts. Pastor on down, we all search our hearts. Amen? And we're all thankful that we serve a compassionate Christ, that when he gives us a word, if we respond, he's not here to shame us. He wants to restore us. That's why he speaks to us. Amen? So if for any reason you're not where you need to be, just make a fresh decision. Lord, I want to get back. Restore my fire. Restore my passion. I'll do what I need to do. You do what you need to do. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. Amen? He's faithful. He's good. He's loving. He's kind. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to pray the prayer. Lord Jesus loves you. If you've never come to him, well, come to him. Give your heart to him. Put him in first place. Let us pray. Father, Lord Jesus, help us to keep our love for you fresh and real. Lord, as we faithfully serve you and your church, give us discernment in these last days. There's so many voices, Lord. There's so much deception and confusion, and we don't want to be swayed by that. We want to stay accurate. Help us to be a Bible people. Help us to be a people that lovingly measure all things by your word. Father, I ask you to grant strength today to hearts that are enduring and persevering for your name. I know some people, they might be the only ones saved in their home, and it's not always easy. Lord, give them strength to persevere. I know some might be on the job, and for some reason, The people on that job really try to wear them down, really try to mess with them because they don't love the Lord. Give that person strength. strength Strengthen their hearts. Give them a fresh grace. I know some are going through situations and seasons. Years ago, we never imagined, but as life takes us through different seasons, We have to battle different things. And Lord, I ask you to strengthen their hearts. You know who they are. They're going through things that aren't easy. But they've stood firm for you. They've continued to the best of their ability to give you first place and continue to walk in you and keep their joy and to keep their song. Father, help them. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Help them, Lord, to stay steady as they continue on in you. And may no one within the sound of my voice ever turn back or give up from serving and loving the Lord Jesus. Now I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, fill every thirsty and weary soul that's here this morning. Anyone that's weary from fighting the good fight and wants a fresh drink from the river of life, oh God, as they look to you, fill them, fill them, fill them. Fill them, refresh them. Renew their strength in the name of Jesus. O oh God, fill the thirsty, touch the weary, and heal the hurting right now. Let that left shoulder be healed in the name of Jesus. Let that tear be untorn in the name of Jesus. Let there be a mending and a strengthening in that left shoulder for the glory of God. Oh, Lord, for those that are hurting, touch them with your healing virtue. Oh, God, even now, minister to their hearts, minister to their minds, strengthen their bodies. Lord, I pray if anyone's come in with a heaviness and a discouragement that's hard to shake, let it break right now. Whoever that person, I, the entire family, let that break. and Grant them a new joy, a new peace, a new laughter. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, for your name, we will serve you. For your name, we will stand strong for you. For your name, we'll be bold and unashamed for you. For your name, we will carry out your cause and do our part for your name. Now, Lord, as we open the altar, breathe your breath of life upon all that come. Fill them, refresh them, revive them, touch them. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, let's praise Him, let's bless Him.